Hello everybody, my name is Zone, and this is Ron's Gad Talk for Thursday 20th of April 2023. In this week's episode, we've got plenty of things to talk about, including uh, Xiaomi's brand new Xiaomi 13 Ultra, uh, ultra high-end smartphone, let's just say that, with top-notch cameras. Along with that, we got uh, plenty of things to talk about, including some new rumors about the Pixel, upcoming Pixel devices, what you can do on Apple's mixed reality headset, plus uh, new EVs from the Shanghai Auto Show uh, that have just been coming out this past week, including a new generation uh, Porsche Cayenne and um, an $11,000 EV that you definitely want to check out, right? So yeah, without further ado, let's get rolling, shall we? Alright, uh, late last week, uh, Asus dropped the RG Phone 7 and 7 Ultimate, and we're going to get to it really quickly, in a, briefly, pretty much. So it's the latest RG Phone, and again, it's got all the high-end features you'd want in a gaming phone in 2023, 16GB of RAM, Snapdragon 8 Gen 2, and up to half a terabyte of storage, UFS 4.0 out of the gate. The Ultimate... Uh, we interesting enough, like previous RG phones have come with the vision display, the little you know uh, display at the back to you know, display uh, em- emojis and stuff, like last year's RG phone. On top of that, you have a cooling system which apparently is bigger and better, with up to sixteen thousand square millimeters of cooling, which is bizarre, but okay, pretty cool in a way. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool phone all in all, and. Uh, Again, you have the air triggers like previous RG phones. Basically, it's the 2023 version of the iconic gaming phone that everyone knows and loves. Uh, so I'm not going to go into much, much detail in that one. Uh, but if you really want the RG Phone 7, it's going to set you back a thousand euros, and the Ultimate will set you back 400 euros more. So that's pretty interesting in a way. And it's already available for pre-orders, so you can get it. You can pre-order it if you want to. But I would recommend the S23 series. Or the Xiaomi 13 series, you get the performance, but again, you won't get the look of a gaming phone or the cooling or things like that. So that's something to definitely keep in mind. Right, moving on, let's talk about the Xiaomi 13 Ultra, the let's just say the Pro Max model, the Galaxy S23 Ultra competitor from Xiaomi, and really this is an ultimate premium smartphone in a way with best-in-class cameras, display, and much, much more. Uh, pretty much you're getting a pro-grade camera on the 13 Ultra when you really uh, compare it to the competition you get a quad camera uh, system on the rear along with again a pretty crispy display so to start with uh, the 13 Ultra uh, features a 6.73 inch uh, WQHD plus display apparently it's pro-grade up to 2600 nits of peak brightness so HDR will work comfortably on here without a problem on top of that you have the quad camera system as I said earlier that, f- that features a a main 1 inch IMX 989 50 megapixel wide angle sensor 1.6 micrometer pixel size overall and has an aperture of between f1.9 to f4.0 so basically it's a 1 inch variable aperture camera main sensor it's the first smartphone camera out there that can do that so that's surprising in a way and comes with hyper optical image stabilization for buttery smooth shots a 75 millimeter telephoto 50 megapixel imx uh, 858 sensor f1.8 aperture with ois along with a 120 millimeter 50 megapixel 
super telephoto camera with the same sensor as the telephoto, uh, giving you more detail and uh, more depth and detail straight away, along with a 50 megapixel, again, like the super telephoto uh, camera and the telephoto lens camera. Uh, IMX 858 f1.8 aperture camera, uh, ultra wide 50 megapixel with 122 degrees field of view and autofocus right away. I can even do macro uh, by the way. So, as I said, the telephoto you get two different zoom lens pretty much in this phone, with, but they're two identically similar sensors. So that's pretty cool in a way. And in case you missed it, the uh, 6.73 inch AMOLED display supports. Uh, high refresh rates 120 Hertz so that's pretty impressive that is uh, but yeah on top of that really if you look at it it's got the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 and again uh, super fast storage and memory speeds uh, with LPDDR5X and UFS 4.0 storage respectively so that's pretty impressive in a way a 5000 mAh power battery uh, show me adaptive charge uh, 90 watt wired uh, fast charging and 50 watt wireless fast charging so that's pretty impressive in a way and again comes with Dolby Vision support and Dolby Atmos is already included in this phone so that's pretty cool in a way but yeah, quintessentially you're getting an ultra premium uh, flagship phone really the best of the best from Xiaomi but as I said there are a few more interesting things about the Xiaomi 13 Ultra uh, the back is pretty interesting you got this leather texture finish which apparently resembles and again pays tribute to the classic look of Leica's M series of cameras which looks stunning uh, pretty much and you got this large circular camera module which uh, again houses the quad camera system with all those wonderful sensors on top of that the overall design of the phone the leather texture in the back and the metal frame unibody metal frame gives you a secure grip pretty much on top of that uh, the uh, the leather texture, the silicon leather texture by the way, kind of faux pas but still pretty cool, uh, can resist fingerprints and smudges which is expected given that it's leather. Uh, you got the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 uh, as I've said earlier. On top of that you got up to 16GB of RAM and up to 1TB of storage. Uh, again, we really compared to the previous uh, Ultra series phone from Xiaomi, uh, the most you can get is 512 gigabytes of storage, but you get up to one terabyte here. And uh, this next one is pretty interesting, border more borderline similar to Samsung with their ability to output raw video, but uh, the 13 Ultra has USB-C, and that kind of means you can output 4K 60Hz video from the cameras, so that's pretty cool in a way over DisplayPort, or probably, you know, display whatever is on your phone which is pretty cool in a way they didn't mention in the press release what you output but I'm assuming it's just the raw camera output which if, if it's possible that would be definitely impressive in a way and also you have the loop liquid cool system on the on the back and that means that you have errors quote-unquote aerospace grade large toroidal hope I don't pronounce it horribly wrong cooling system on a smartphone and that kind of means you have uh, again you have vapor uh, cooling so that's pretty cool in a way and that means uh, as is mentioned in the press release that you could record a video at 4k 60 frames a second without any stuttering or overheating so that's pretty cool in a way but the real sort of again the the real standout with the show me 13 ultra on top of everything i've said earlier is the camera system um, it features like a Summicron lens coming on top of the 13 series which comes with like a lens itself 
uh, but yeah on top of that uh, you get four different focal lengths so that's pretty cool in a way with four different cameras which is pretty impressive so the regular ultra wide angle um, telephoto super telephoto uh, in a way and uh, that's pretty cool uh, nonetheless but on top of that the main sensor is one inch as I've said earlier but you can switch the aperture so you can go from f1.9 to f4.0 and I can really bump up the picture quality in a way and on top of everything you've got the fast shot mode which means you could pretty much get uh, you can automatically get um, crispy shots and again it captures it in less than apparently 0.8 seconds so no more than a no less than a blink of an eye so that's pretty impressive in a way and now if you already have the show me 12 s ultra or the 12 ultra to start with you're probably wondering what you're going to get on the 13 uh you get a much faster processor the 8 gen 2 you get the extra memory and storage you get the latest version of android the 13 ultra comes with the improved camera system as i've said earlier and it but you may miss out on the fast charging, but that's not a problem anymore because 90 watts, it's still impressively fast compared to the previous, uh, again, uh, compared to previous models and the 13 Pro, which comes at 125 watt fast charging, but 90 watts is still very fast. So that's not a problem in a way. So what you're really getting after all of this uh, really is some beefy cameras an impressive display and all of this will set you back in china if you live in china all under 900 dollars which is pretty impressive uh but again once it's available in europe and other parts of the world it will be teetering almost around the thousand dollar price range so that's pretty impressive in a way again pretty cool phones if you ask me and uh or again a pretty cool flagship if you are into your Android flagships, that is. But on top of the Xiaomi 13 Ultra, we also got new tablets and a fitness tracker. Uh, the Mi the Band 8, or the Xiaomi Smart Band 8, as it's now officially called, uh, is a new ecosystem product, as they tend, as they like to call it. Uh, you got you got a 1.62 inch full AMOLED display. It's already been coming with color AMOLED display, so that's pretty cool in a way. A metal texture frame. Uh, and also now comes in a wide range of straps and accessories. You can even uh, attach to your shoes or as a necklace, like those old school timepieces, which is pretty funny. I don't know who is going to do that, but um, if you want to do it, you can. The choice is yours, you know. So that's interesting in a way. I'd seen an article about this uh, smartwatch, and it's that you can you can get different bands now, and you can get a metal cufflet, a metal band, a metal strap, mind you, like sports watch, and uh, you know, like um, or even like ones you get with uh, with female watches. You know, if you know what I'm if you know what I'm talking about, that is that's pretty cool in a way. And then, uh, and in case you're probably wondering about the a smart band it's gonna cost set you back uh, 249 RMB so that would be roughly give or take give or take around more than 30 to 45 dollars US uh, it's on 13.6 BD in case you're wondering because I just googled it right now but yeah that's uh, not a bad price for a full color display and for more functionality and fitness tracking uh, and again you get uh, fast charging so that's pretty interesting in a way so that's cool but on top of that you have a new tablet from Xiaomi the pad 6 and 6 pro again come with best-in-class chips 
and battery life. It's kind of for regular users or for those who want to have an Android tablet that is high performance and again gets you through video calls and content consumption uh, and not the 13 Ultra that you're taking full on movies and you know professional photos and stuff like that. So again, uh, pretty impressive uh, set of products from Xiaomi as always, you know, if you really think about it that way. Alrighty, so we already talked about uh, Xiaomi, let's move on to Google. And Google I.O. is happening next month on May the 10th, that's obviously a fact. But more than everything, uh, we're getting more and more details about their upcoming Pixel phones. First up, a report from CNBC came out uh, pretty much two days back, uh, claiming uh, quote-unquote based on internal communications viewed by them that Google is obviously planning to launch a folding phone, the Pixel Fold, but more than everything, will apparently have the most durable hinge on a foldable, cost upwards of $1,700, so under nearly undercutting the Galaxy Z Fold 4 in the US, of course, so that's pretty big deal in a way. And more than everything, apparently they're looking, Google's looking to market this folding phone as water-resistant and pocket pocketable with, outsides, with our display that measures 5.8 inches across. But more than everything, uh, it'll sort of apparently open up to a book to have a smaller uh, inner display of 7.6 inches and apparently weigh 10 pounds. Uh, that's the US measurement, so you can guess how much that'll be in grams. Apparently it's gonna be a little bit heavier, than, a little bit more heavier than the Z Fold 4 that'll make up for a larger battery life. And again, it features 24 hours of battery life according to Google's internal documents, so that's pretty interesting in a way. And it will feature the Gens Tensor G2 chip. On top of that, uh, there we are looking to get people to go out and buy the Pixel Fold, so much so that they're willing to offer a free Pixel Watch, according to this report, when people purchase a Pixel Fold. That's pretty interesting in a way, and again, offer a competitive trade-in offer. Uh, so you'll get a pretty sizable amount in trade-in uh, if you get the Pixel Fold. So that's pretty interesting um, in a way. It's surprising to see CNBC report about uh, you know Google launching a new device, but it's not surprising, you know. But for them, it's context of you know Microsoft and Samsung have these products. And, you know, Google's building an answer to them. Now you're probably wondering about the Pixel Fold when you can go out and get it. And according to John Prosser from Frontpage Tech, kind of known for Apple rumors usually, uh, has reported that the Google Pixel Fold will be available from May 10th. It will be announced on May 10th, and you can pre-order it directly from Google the same day, but you'll be able to purchase it on June 27th, according to Prosser. So that's pretty interesting. And again, costing more or less, according to him, as the Z Fold 4, which is pretty interesting in a way. Uh, so... That's kind of cool. Um, now you're now wondering about the other Pixels. You don't want to buy the Pixel Fold. It might kind of be good. It might be all right. The Pixel 7a and the, 7, and the 8 series is going to be coming out. Uh, the 7a is going to be releasing around the same time as Google I.O. Uh, so according to 9to5Google, the Pixel 7a will apparently cost $500, so $50 more than the Pixel 6a. And the 6a will not be discontinued instead it can be available at a slight discount so around 300 dollars according to a bunch of sources including 95 google be available at a at a bit of a slight discount like the 300 dollar pixel pretty much for those who don't want the 7a uh, so that's pretty interesting in a way and um again you will be what you'll be getting for 50 bucks more 
you get 64 megapixel main camera along with a 13 megapixel ultra a dual camera sensor but not bad for an affordable pixel 90 hertz display wireless charging and tensor g2 so that's pretty cool in a way and you'll be getting it in a bunch of cool colors including charcoal snow sea and coral sea is like light blue-ish kind of tint and coral is you've guessed it the kind of the funny funky uh, light red color that you get uh, on the you know the chromecast and the nest devices the last one though i think again i think coral is is red i believe if i remember correctly uh, that'll only be available online through google's own online store so that's pretty interesting in a way and uh, according to John Prosser, again, once again, the Google Pixel 7a will apparently be available on May 10th straight after Google I.O. So that's pretty fun in a way. If you're looking to buy a Pixel 7a, you, wanna, you might want to get ready and again, save up a bit for the 7a. It's a pretty cool mid-range phone. This A series, the Pixel A series really is one of the best sort of stock Android phones, well under $600. You're not looking for a flagship, but you really don't want a skimpy, gimpy kind of, you know, like Samsung's um, A50, A54. It's a bit, it's a bit weird, but it's also a lot expensive than the Pixel A series phones are usually a good option, and you won't go wrong with the 7A hopefully. So that's pretty interesting, in a way. Uh, will you be getting the Pixel 7A? I'd love to know your thoughts. Uh, again, as always, I'm on Twitter. You can send me a tweet right away. Or again, contact uh, through the details in the show notes uh, if you want to, really. Uh, you don't have to, but again, uh, again, we'd love to hear your thoughts. And while we're already talking about Android phones and some upcoming Android foldables, but apparently uh, we might be getting not one but two Motorola razors, and they'll be launching on June the 1st, according to Max Jumber, at an event in Madrid, Spain, and also in New York in the United States for US consumers. Now, what to expect in the 2023 variant uh, Motorola Razr, the 8 Gen 2 or 8 plus Gen 1 chip, and again, some upgrades in the camera and our displays. Now, you're probably surprised to hear about the Motorola Razr and a light variant. Now, as far as my understanding goes and what I've read online about the Motorola Razr light, it'll apparently be, and there also already are renderings of the light. The light will basically have a much it will be like the regular motor razors from yesteryears with a tiny hour display and again some basic uh, processors and cameras and specs uh, to make it appropriate at the price and again sell it at well below $900 to compete to really compete with the Oppos and the Vivos and other kind of competing uh, flip fo folding flip phones so again I carry that price of well under $900 as I understand it to be um, so yeah that's it's pretty interesting that we're not just going to be getting a regular full-fledged high-performance Motorola Razr or Razr Pro as they're claiming it to be, but also a light variant. And that shows you that the folding flip phone market is very popular. There are a lot of people who love to buy a folding flip phone. The market is growing and there's a lot of appeal and interest and it's a unique form factor, let's just say. It, it really does move volumes and there are quite a lot of people who would love to have a folding flip phone compared to a folding notebook kind of phone. The latter is more expensive, of course. It's only really for power users and those who are who really are productivity freaks, like to do everything on their phones. And then for the vast majority of people, it's just the aesthetic and the style and the nostalgia. The flip phones, they're selling at hotcakes. And you can see Motorola, I mean, the, the, and especially Lenovo, they are looking to offer two whole new models. And that shows you that there's a lot of demand in that segment. So that's pretty interesting. In a way, that's just my take, frankly. I, I don't know about you, but 
Alrighty, let's uh, touch on Apple really quickly. Uh, WWDC is in a is probably well over a month away uh, in this uh, in this regard in June, pretty much. But we're getting a lot of details about what might be coming in the next version of iOS and what could be coming of Apple's newest hardware device in a long, long time. Uh, first is iOS 17. Apparently, Apple is looking to offer the ability to sideload alternative app stores through you uh, in iOS 17, so you can literally load up an alternative app store. Um, and that's because there are EU regulations that me- that mean that Apple should offer the option to offer uh, other way uh, allow people to really download apps on their own or use other app stores other than the App Store which is pretty bizarre, but again, kind of useful for uh, power users, enthusiasts, and also business users who directly want to download uh, custom iOS apps without needing to go through the App Store. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, but again, let's see on June the 5th if they really do uh, work through and allow alternative app stores. But on, but more than everything is the interesting rumor about what might what we might be able to do on Apple's mixed reality or AR VR mixed reality headset as well I'll call it because it's a combination of AR and VR. According to Mark Gurman from Bloomberg, uh, Apple is looking to offer a whole bunch of features on uh, in their mixed reality headset. Um, according to Gurman, quoting quoting him here. The offerings will include gaming fitness and collaboration tools, new versions of Apple's existing iPad features, and services for watching sports according to people with knowledge of the plans. The roughly $3,000 headset is set to debut at an event in June with the product going on sale months later. And that's his words, not mine. Uh, Again, German goes on to say in his his report, also a newsletter pretty much, a big part of the effort is adapting iPad apps for the new headset, which blends virtual and augmented reality. Users will be able to access millions of existing apps from third-party developers via the new 3D interface, according to the people who asked not to be identified because the plans are still under wraps. So that's pretty interesting. Now I'm going to touch upon what he's meaning to say by uh, the offerings. So. Uh, first things first, uh, you can play games, on, apparently you will be able to play uh, games on this mixed reality headset and that's because Apple has Apple Arcade and so you should be able to access content from Apple Arcade itself. Wellness, you guessed it, Apple Fitness Plus should work on Apple Mix on Apple's mixed reality headset from day one. On top of that, um, according to him, you should be able to watch live sports on the headset itself, that's because there's Apple TV Plus, and again, uh, it's been airing MLB and MLS uh, games, so that kind of makes sense. And it, apparently, Apple acquired Next VR, that's according to 9to5Mac, to help with uh, developing this headset. But more than everything, if you've ever used an iPad and uh, you've used the Freeform app, which is like an extension of the Notes app, so you, it's like a whiteboard, so you can collaborate with others and sort of share, and it's essentially a digital whiteboard. Can expect to you can expect to have freeform on the Apple mixed reality headset and uh, that's what obviously government was meant to say by collaboration tools now when I saw the announcement for iPad OS 16 and they showed off freeform I kind of knew deep down in my guts that they were going to bring it to the Apple mixed reality headset no way in uh, no way in this world that they do not bring over freeform to the uh, to the AR VR headset It'd be it'd be a, it'd be a crime if they didn't because it was it's such a use case like this is made 
for a mixed reality headset. We've seen Microsoft HoloLens, which is like a competing product, let's just say in this regard, they really focused on uh, collaboration, really, that you could share and really interact and like, uh, again, uh, show and again, uh, have a whiteboard in front of you in real time. So that's pretty interesting in a way. Uh, but yeah, uh, there will be a cheaper version of this headset down the road in 2025, apparently. But yeah, again, Garmin goes on to say that there are also lots of other potential use cases you could read books on with this headset, do FaceTime calls, watch the Apple TV app or Apple TV Plus pretty much. Again, uh, Fitness Plus sessions, you name it, uh, you can, uh, you name it, they'll have it. If there's an app for it. Uh, I think I remember the iconic catchphrase for the App Store when they launched it many years back. Uh, for everything else, there's an app, like literally. Uh, but yeah. Interestingly, another point on top of all of the above really is the idea that Apple could really be port offering ports of iPad apps for this headset, which means that um, they kind of understand that there won't be any killer use cases of AR VR. It's years be before we see this technology really be at their peak and reaching a lot of people and being useful to people in a way. And so they're, they're, they're willing to offer and sort of let, you, let users sort of uh, have essentially big screen versions of uh, of experiences they already have with their phones and tablets and PCs. So it's not surprising in a way, uh, but yeah, given the detail that he's gone into, it's not gonna be like a uh, an external display that you connect your Mac to uh, and get more out of your Mac. This is gonna be its own product, which is pretty interesting. That's how I look at it pretty much, but yeah. Let's see how this uh, mixed reality headset fares. Um, the fact that it will basically have a bit of AR and VR is interesting enough. Uh, but yeah, not surprising uh, the use cases here. They're pretty useful though. What would you use the Apple Mixed Reality headset for? I'd, I'd love to know. Uh, do shoot me a comment. All the contact details are in the show notes down below. Alrighty, uh, shifting gears, let's just say that to cars and EVs in general. Uh, the Shanghai International Auto Show is happening, or Auto Shanghai is happening this past week. And we've seen lots of new cars kind of come out, but specifically EVs, but also lots of regular kind of cars coming out because people love their uh, diesel and love to put metal to the pedal, as they say. As an example, as an example, on top of the hundreds of cars kind of being shown off at this event and concept cars also, uh, because for a lot of Chinese uh, car fans, this will be their first chance to see those concepts that were revealed in the US and Europe. Uh, in front of them pretty much firsthand. Uh, ex one example, the BMW XM label red, a limited edition version of the BMW XM, essentially a tuned hybrid, uh, a, a beefy hybrid uh, SUV, uh, giving you, for example, a, a output of 550 kilowatts uh, of power, 748 horsepower, horsepower, so that's pretty crazy in a way, and it peaks to 100,000, uh, sorry, 1,000 newton meters of torque, so that's pretty interesting in a way, and um, and this is hybrid by the way, the XM label red, so you get roughly uh, up to 83 kilometers of all electric range, so that's pretty nuts in a way, and the only way you can tell this is it apparently has an accent band in Toronto red color, so that's pretty crazy in a way, and there'll only be like 500 of them, 500 of these SUVs, so that's pretty crazy in a way. And uh, you be only if you only if you live in the U.S. or China or the Middle East, you'll be only you'll be able to get this limited edition BMW XM. 
I'm not I'm not much of a car nut to be honest and not much of a BMW fan so if I skimped a lot of details I sincerely apologize I'm not a BMW kind of guy but this is an interesting limited edition this is one of the many many cars that I'm showing off at Auto Shanghai that is really a regular hybrid vehicle in a way so that's pretty cool uh, as it is and again tuned by BMW M so that's pretty crazy in a way but another kind of regular vehicle that's being announced uh, pretty much is the third generation Porsche Cayenne I love my Porsches alright so I'm gonna talk a little bit more about it so the Porsche Cayenne uh, the third gen sort of comes a whole bunch of uh, is really a bit of an up, uh, upgrade in a lot of areas if you've ever driven a Cayenne so an overall apparently an overhaul with changes to powertrain chassis design and equipment uh, look at design prim primarily it's a little more uh, sport is slightly slightly more sportier a new front end with strongly arched wings new bonnet and technically appealing headlights speaking of headlights you now have uh, LED matrix as standard on all models of the Cayenne the third gen so you get matrix LED headlights they're standard giving you 32,000 32, pixels per headlamp and you can even regulate the brightness in more than a thousand steps depending on the situation driving at nighttime or daytime so that's pretty awesome in a way you get an air quality system on the Cayenne and uh, and that means that when you go approach a tunnel uh, you literally it automatically uh, activates air recirculation and also has a sensor so you can detect fine dust particles and ionizer so again uh, in your car you won't be getting any dust or uh, chemicals kind of so that's interesting in a way the third gen Cayenne apparently comes with a steel spring suspension uh, featuring Porsche active suspension management uh, new shock observers with two valve technology and separate rebound and compression stages pretty much allowing optimized performance in all driving situations very technical stuff but again uh, should mean a smoother ride overall um, so yeah so that's pretty cool in a way and this means you get sharper differentiation between normal sport and sport plus modes and speaking of sports modes the third gen Cayenne uh, by the way comes with a 12.6 inch instrument cluster that's completely digital along with a 12.3 inch standard uh, PCM display which is you can find on the Taycan along with a, uh, with a separate sort of display for the passenger again like on the Taycan but now they brought it over on the Cayenne and also that also means that the automatic transmission selector lever is also on the dashboards instead of a right on the uh, right in the middle uh, between the passengers and that means that there's room more room for the air conditioner controller and things like that so that's pretty cool in a way and uh, weirdly enough according to the press release there's apparently a special foil that ensures the driver cannot see the passenger separate passenger display to the right of the driver so that's pretty interesting in a way uh, but yeah more than everything all these aesthetical changes that basically make the car much nicer to drive for the driver itself and the passengers is the fact that the this third gen kind will be coming with three different engine options but more than everything a hybrid variant proper when I mean by that uh, you will also get a hybrid version that gives you 90, uh, 90 kilometers of all electric range uh, with an 11 kilowatt onboard charger uh, so you basically get uh, so it takes out two less two and a half hours less of charging time so that's pretty cool in a way um, and you basically get a 130 kilowatt motor on the hybrid e-hybrid version six cylinder engine 
So it overall gives you combined output of 346 kilowatts. So that's pretty cool in a way. And uh, yeah, as I said, you can go up to 90 kilometers without a engine on. So that's pretty cool in a way. And uh, yeah, you also have a three liter V6 turbo version, uh, pretty much. So you get uh, roughly 500 newton meters of torque. Uh, so that's apparently 50 newton meters of torque more than the previous generation. But yeah, uh, you have a 4 liter V8 bi turbo as also another option. That is, uh, I think that's the uh, Cayenne S that comes with 600 newton meters of torque and lets you essentially accelerate uh, the coupe and the regular uh, from 0 to 100 in 4.7 seconds. So it really is a pretty cool uh, SUV uh, nonetheless. Uh, but also you have the Turbo GT variant, which will be the top of the line spec, uh, pretty much. And also comes with a V8 by Turbo. Um, and also there's the e-hybrid for folks in Europe, as I've said earlier. So that's pretty cool in a way. But when you really think about it, you get uh, three different uh, engine options in the Cayenne, uh, including really, as I said, a 3-liter V6 um, starting out and a 4-liter V8 in the S and I think in the GT, along with improved suspension, a Taycan-style touchscreen display and instrument cluster, air quality system, and uh, overall a, a nicer-looking front-end, let's just say that. Uh, so yeah, it's a pretty cool uh, SUV, and especially a nice uh, petrol version before we get the electric uh, Cayenne, that is. But yeah, lots of uh, interesting new cars have also been shown off in Shanghai, sort of. The first of many also is that they're electric, let's just say that, is the Volkswagen ID7 in full, uh, pretty much. We've gotten teasers of the car, but now we've gotten a full production-ready version of the ID7. To start with, it has this kind of design that pretty much swoops like a coupe, uh, but again, it's quite tall and measures roughly five meters in length. So it's quite a useful uh, sedan and pretty much it's aimed at consumers in Europe and China who really want a nice sedan and don't want a big fat crossover or SUV. Uh, so again, a nice mid-size sedan, pretty much a comfortable limousine according to them for long distance travel. And again, it op op opens up a new segment for the Volkswagen ID family. Anyways, so the ID7 uh, comes with a 210 kilowatt hour motor, uh, which is the most powerful in the ID family. Uh, pretty much. It's got a drag coefficient of about 0.23, so right up there with the light with other German sedans in the segment. Uh, you get 200 kilowatts of charging capability, 700 kilometers of WLTP range with the maximum battery size that is, so up to 700 kilometers. So that's pretty impressive for a sedan to start with. You get a 30, uh, 15 inch uh, touchscreen that sort of faces the driver. A, augment, a heads up display, a backlit touch slider, and overall a supposed to be a comfortable mid-range uh, uh, luxury sedan um, pretty much. And it's even got travel assist so it helps with lane changing, assisted lane changing on multi-lane motorways across multiple parts of Europe. Uh, so you literally go on a road trip and let the car literally drive itself. So that's pretty crazy in a way. And um, speaking of new EVs that are definitely becoming 
to a road near you. Uh, the Polestar 4 was also shown off uh, properly. It comes. Uh, it's a coupe SUV, as I've said last week uh, on last week's episode, and um, it's a unique concept as it is it sits between the Polestar 3, uh, which is uh, going to be the bigger, sort of nicer SUV. And this is going to be like a bit of a sportier vehicle. To start with, you have uh, it comes with uh, single or dual motor options. So a single motor is 200 kilowatts of power, and the dual motor, as it in the name, is 400 kilowatts of power. As it is, that is all uh, interesting. And you get zero to 62 miles per hour sprint in just 3.8 seconds. Um, interesting enough, both come with a 102 kilowatt hour battery, so that's pretty cool in a way. 686 newton meters of torque, and hopefully up to 350 miles of WLTP range. And on the dual motor options, you can even have the option to switch off the uh, the front motor and only have the rear motor, so you can maximize range and efficiency. So that's pretty cool in a way. 200 kilowatts of DC fast charging and 22 kilowatts of AC charging out of the gate. Heat pump is standard on the Polestar 4. Hopefully both the single and long range models, uh, the single and dual motor options, mind you. And again, comes with all the cool features that Polestar cars are known for, the Android operating system that's on it, the safety features. Uh, also, as law of sustainability, fun fact, the Polestar 4 is apparently uh, features um, tailored knit upholstery that's done from 100% recycled polyester. Um, and again, uh, 100% uh, PET uh, that's used and animal welfare secured Napa leather upholsteries. That's pretty cool in a way. And again, the carpets in the interior are made of recycled PET. So that's pretty interesting in a way. And also, uh, again, apparently the floor carpets are made of Econol, which is apparently made from reclaimed fishing nets. So that's pretty cool in a way. And um, yeah, as I said, on top of everything, there's also the design of the car is pretty interestingly uh, weird, but again, cool. You have a back, the back of the car, you don't have a rear window at all. It's completely covered at the back, giving this kind of premium sort of feel. Uh, so the back is kind of cocoon, is like a cocoon nest, let's just say, for the rear co- uh, passengers in a way. And uh, apparently uh, that means it, or you have better aerodynamic efficiency, so a bit more sporty in a way. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. And... Um, but, but then at the same time, you have a standard full-length glass roof, so you get this kind of feeling of more space, even though it's a coupe and so it's going to be a little bit cramped in the back, but you get more space pretty much. Um, so that's pretty interesting in a way. And if you're wondering about pricing, the Polestar 4 will start from fifty dollars to $60,000 for the single or dual motor option. So that's pretty cool for a coupe SUV. But if you're tired of coupes and crossovers, BYD has a car they might probably be looking for if you want to spend over $100,000. The Yangwang U8 is their first premium sort of EV that they're selling in the Chinese market. And it's a beast, let's just say that. The closest uh, competitor is the GMC Hummer EV SUV in terms of the design and feature set. Uh, this car starts from $160,000. It features over a thousand horsepower, uh, zero to hundred in just three point six seconds, one hundred and eighty kilometers of pure electric range. So that's pretty impressive in a way, and uh, again has a wheelbase of around three thousand uh, millimeters. Pretty much comes with the BYD Blade battery, 
pretty impressive and the e4 uh power train uh, drive system which apparently means you have a motor on each on all four wheels and this means the car can literally have a sharp turning radius float on water and again uh, be able to turn around in emergency situations so that's pretty cool it reminds me of the crab walk system on the hummer for some reason the electric hummer so that's pretty interesting in a way and also comes with the desus p system which apparently is uh, quite advanced uh, this will be on this vehicle primarily and also showed off a supercar a sports car similar to the rd a8 uh, or r or the s8 i don't remember the, the Audi used to make a sports car and the u9 is basically based on that audi sports car i don't know if they're gonna ever make a, that r8 i think yeah the rs8 pretty much yeah so they also showed off a supercar at the event pretty much so that's pretty cool but if $160,000 is a bit too much money for you uh, for a vehicle, you might want to check out the BYD Seagull. Now, this is their newest budget, uh, this is their newest, let's just say, uh, entry-level EV, an A0 class hatchback SUV, uh, pretty much featuring blade batteries, uh, 55 kilowatt uh, max power from a single motor, 135 Nm of torque, 0 to 50 kilometers an hour in just 4.9 seconds you get a 30 or 38 kilowatt hour battery roughly give or take uh, and that means you get between 300 and 400 kilometers of range not bad for uh, a hatchback good for uh, urban uh, drivers primarily and those in the big cities but you want to be you'll be shocked at the price though the seagull pretty much start apparently starts from eleven thousand four hundred sixty dollars for the base spec and goes up to uh, and pretty much goes up to $18,000 roughly, give or take. So that's pretty impressive in a way. And it's already gone on on, on pre-orders in China. So if you live in China, you might want to look at this vehicle. It apparently is a comparator to the Vuling EVs, which are quite popular, the mini EV from Vuling, uh, because uh, those have been selling like hotcakes, and people apparently love uh, affordable uh, EVs, even if they're hatchbacks and kind of make sense in the city, in the big city. Uh, they are quite popular, and uh, BYD, again, has that architecture and technology, so that's pretty cool to see another new vehicle. And again, the price of EVs are going down day by day, so that's pretty impressive already uh, from the get-go. And um, and another EV, pretty much, the Xpeng, on the other hand, has shown off the G6 uh, Coupe SUV, again, competing with the Polestar 4. And uh, it's got this uh, sci-fi-esque design, Pretty much 800 volt architecture, 3C battery cells. Pretty much, um, and on top of that, you have, um, in a way, if we could find more details about it, you get 755 kilometers of range, uh, and you can uh, just do uh, 10 minutes of charging for 300 kilometers of range. Uh, pretty much according to Xpeng, that is, and on top of that, um, it's designed with the highest safety standards for Chinese, American, and European markets. So that's pretty cool in a way. And that kind of means one thing, and that is that Xpeng is looking to hopefully release this car outside of China in the future, hopefully in Europe also. That would be cool. Uh, you got ultra-low drag coefficient of 0 0.248, uh, pretty much, and a panoramic sunroof of over 2 square meters, which is impressive, 15-inch display, and uh, also, again, um, 
an air a cabin apparently with air quality three to ten times better than international standards they really are dead set on trying to beat european suvs because you know chinese consumers are quite have sophisticated taste already and end up buying european cars so it's not surprising to see chinese manufacturers we step up their game because they have a very competitive domestic market and if they don't deliver uh, they end up buying a bmw or well a toyota and also toyota is also releasing evs in china primarily so not surprising if you think about it that way um and also lotus uh, showed off a charging robot and they claim that the robot can deliver 500 kilowatts of power to their evs so that's pretty impressive for their for their evga suv so that's pretty cool in a way so it's cool to see lotus offer uh smart charging robots on top of funny memes pretty much so that's pretty cool and again a pretty big w for the lotus uh for the folks at lotus pretty much so yeah um pretty cool evs uh, coming out of China it kind of shows that there's a lot of innovation and options coming out and uh, hopefully a lot more people do go electric uh, in a way but uh, hopefully we see these kind of vehicles all over the world and not just in Europe and China because uh, right now all the cool uh, all the cool vehicles all the cool range and all that kind of stuff it's really happening only in Europe and China and the rest of the world is kind of quite behind let's just say that so yeah hopefully we'd see some of these cars on a road near me or near you probably so yeah uh, pretty cool stuff nonetheless all right let's talk about range rover they announced a whole bunch of interesting things first up is that they're sort of re getting a bit of a rebrand they've announced a reimagined plan and that's basically to take the company into the age of electric vehicles and sort of you know be lead in that era hopefully and to start with, the company will now be called JLR and not Jaguar Land Rover. It's obviously owned by Tata Motors, so that's pretty interesting in a way to be called JLR now. But on top of all of that, uh, it'll basically now be a house of brands, which basically includes Defender, Discovery, Range Rover, and Jaguar. And the first three, obviously, are badges of the Land Rover cars, which is pretty interesting as it is. Um, and again, it's apparently been a natural evolution uh, but yeah, on top of everything, uh, they've also announced that they're going to invest roughly 15 billion British pounds, which is about 18.6 million dollars, uh, give or take, um, to essentially uh, revamp and essentially uh, redevelop uh, all the manufacturing facilities that Range Rover has in the United Kingdom. Uh, all the sort of plants will be sort of retooled to make electric vehicles primarily. And basically, they're going to stay in Britain and make Range Rovers, which I think is nice. They do have fa uh, plants all over the world, but as I said, the main factories that make the iconic uh, British uh, off-landing vehicles uh, will be staying in the country, will not be going to Europe, unlike other competing brands and companies in a way. And speaking of electric vehicles, they've announced a new electric architecture that will be powering a brand new all-electric Range Rover that will be launching in 2025. And this architecture said will be helping out with all the medium-sized EVs that Range Rover and Land Rover pretty much will be launching. Uh, as I said, on top of all the investments, uh, the 15 billion pound investment into again transforming their factories to make EVs. Um, but also later this year, you'll be able to pre-order a electric Range Rover in England. So that's pretty awesome. That is. But more than everything. Uh, they've an also announced that Jaguar is going to go all electric, but on top of that, they're going to release a four-door GT vehicle, 
which will have 430 miles of range with the 700 kilometers um, and again have more power than any other Jaguar ever made so that's pretty cool and exciting if you're into Jaguars that is their I-Pace is left a lot to be desired so they really need a beefy well a really cool uh, high performance electric vehicle to really uh, reject the Jaguar brand into something exciting and bring it back into the conscience of car lovers all over the world and in England and in the UK because as I said Aston Martin is all the rage because they're back in F1 and again also going to go electric eventually um, and they're pretty much in the hearts and minds of people so anything they can do to get back into the consciousness of uh, car buyers and premium car lovers it would be nice um, and this four-door GT by the way will start from hundred thousand pounds so hundred quid for a four-door GT that could be more powerful than the previous sort of X uh, I think again better than the X type cars uh, why not so that's pretty cool in a way and apparently they claim uh, again now this new uh, Jaguar Land Rover claim that they're gonna go net zero hopefully by tw 2039 so that's pretty cool in a way and they're still gonna they're gonna still make their combustion Range Rovers they're gonna maintain the uh, the recently released uh, MLA architecture uh, to make cars with hybrids and ICEs in markets where EVs are not completely taking off for now or maybe they will come later on in the future so that's pretty interesting and again pretty exciting news from uh, from the iconic uh, British car company I mean they're gonna go electric but more than everything they're gonna be making a lot of vehicles um, in a way but what's quite fascinating and basically sophisticated is that they're gonna uh, still offer ICE vehicles for their Range Rover lineup but also set for markets where as I said the all-electric option will not be enough uh, for a lot of consumers or as I said the you know the EV landscape is not as developed as it is in Western Europe or China that is so that's pretty interesting but more than everything it's also the fact that they are going to continue to manufacture in England their iconic SUVs and Jaguars um, and they're not going to go abroad uh, with uh, with the EV production so that's quite a surprise for a lot of people and hopefully a word of confidence for the British car manufacturing industry which really needs uh, really needs a lot more investment and a lot more car makers staying in the country uh, in a way um, so uh, again uh, hopefully better times for the Jag and the Rover hopefully but yeah this leads us to the end of this week's kind of long episode what do you think of everything you've heard today let me know I'm on Instagram Twitter and TikTok at said underscore moan 99 follow me there if you can and while you're at it subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss another episode leave a review on Apple Podcasts so you know the show gets bumped up a bit more and again it gets exposed to more people uh, because we really need those ratings so if you could leave a four or five star rating that'd be awesome and yeah share this to your friends and family and then again if you're watching already watching on youtube do subscribe to the channel so again you don't also miss another episode over there but yeah uh, till next week this is your signing out wherever you are whatever you're up to i hope you have a wonderful day and weekend ahead and i hope you have a wonderful eid uh, eid mubarak in advance to all those listening if you're listening on friday or saturday see ya advanced greetings to you and yeah uh take care all right uh, thank you for listening and yeah have a wonderful day and weekend ahead right ciao